0: The Lin Alden Investment Strategy Do High Interest Rates Fix High Inflation? Published on June 2023. In prior articles and newsletters, I've explored the causes of consumer price inflation over time. In short, the rate of consumer price inflation in an economy comes from the combination of, one, money supply growth, and two, significant changes in the productivity or resources abundance. So sometimes we see that people say that the, the, the rate of consumer prices is only because of the money supply. Sometimes we see it in changes in how much a productivity gains we get because if we get more productivity, then we need to pay more because we get more. Okay, so, so basically the claim here is that it's coming from two, the rate of consumer price inflation. The inflation is coming from two things, both the increase in money supply and also the the, the changes in productivity and resources abundance. Periods of fast bank lending or large monetized fiscal deficits and thus rapid money supply growth tend to create inflationary environments, while periods of fiscal austerity and or private sector deleveraging events and thus slow money supply growth or outright money supply contraction tend to create disinflationary or outright deflationary environments. Periods of technological stagnation, societal dysfunction, the need for resiliency over efficiency, war, and scarce natural resources tend to all contribute to the experience of inflation due to the negative effect on the supply, so we reduce the supply, so we have less to actually produce, less goods, less services, and because we have less of them, it's harder to get them. Harder to get them, they cost more. On the other hand, periods of technological improvements, labor, specialization, and sacrifice of resiliency for efficiency, geopolitical and civic peace, and abundant Natural resources tend to all contribute to the experience of disinflation because we get more, more technology, we get more stuff, it costs less, due to their positive effects on the supply of goods and services. A useful example of this is to compare the price of oil in gold and in dollars over time. Here is a chart for the price of oil in gold since 1913. So we see uh, although it's going high and low, it's pretty stable the, the price of oil in gold. Interesting. We can see that it is fluctuates pretty widely between 0.02 ounces of gold for a barrel of oil and 0.14 ounces of gold for a barrel of oil, but generally in a sideways pattern. Periods of great growth or major war generally put oil in high demand relative to scarce supply and cause high prices. Periods of major recession or certain periods of peacetime abundance generally put oil in low demand relative to the abundant supply and cause low prices. Okay, so we don't have Ah, the date This was a date of war. We have here a spike. Also here we had a war, but it's beginning here. Okay, but uh, after war effect. And then here also the destability of the dot-com. Here's the price of oil in dollars in 1913. It has the same supply demand fluctuations. Supply demand is the same but also has an exponential trend of price increases. Because dollars have exponential trend of supply increase. And therefore, persistent debasement. Oh, my God. So the price of oil in dollars is just spiking because the number of dollars is is increasing. This is crazy. You look at the, the price of oil in gold and... It's stable over a period of almost, yeah, more than 100 years. And you look at oil with relation to dollar. Wow. Just crazy. From less than a dollar in the beginning to $100. It's exponential. On average, since 1913, only 1.5%. More above ground gold ounces existed per year, but 7% more broad dollars exist per year. Mm-hmm. So each year we have 1.5% more gold, but 7% more dollars. And thus the price of oil tends to hold steady in gold terms, but tends to appreciate in dollar terms. Technology also makes us more efficient. Finding and extracting oil over time up to a certain point. Most central banks have a 2% annual price inflation target rather than a zero inflation target. Over the long arc of time, prices of things like oil, and mate, and gold, and real estate have grown at a significantly faster rate than that, while the averages have been pulled down by certain deflationary categories such as electronics and textiles where massive productivity gains were made, policymakers are fine with the steady debasement of currency and even desire it, but don't want the rate of debasement to get out of control. That being said, within the context of the existing financial system, What should central banks do when significantly above target price inflation does happen? So in recent years, we had the inflation getting out of target. Let's say the target was 2%. What did they do? This has been one of the hot macroeconomics discussion topics over the past couple of years. Critics of current monetary policy have become a modern-day form of Monday morning quarterbacking. Finance-oriented people all have an opinion on what Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Pyle should be doing differently than he is at any given time. The problem, of course, is that central banks can only affect a subset of the causes of inflation. They can influence, albeit very imperfectly, how much private sector credit creation bank lending happens. They can impose certain rules on their banking system, although their power to do so relative to the government depends on the jurisdiction in question. They can print money to finance their government's fiscal deficits, and in some contexts are forced to, or they can try to do the opposite for brief periods of time by avoiding the purchases of bonds or even selling some of their existing bonds. In some contexts, they have the authority to monetize mortgages and or corporate bonds and equities. And to complicate matters more, central bank independence is something that can exist in peacetime but quickly goes away during times of war and crisis. Central bank independence in practice means that a president can call up the head of the bank and tell him or her to cut interest rates right before an election and other obvious manipulation. However, central bank independence does not hold up well during actual crises. A central bank would almost always facilitate monetization of government deficits during war or sovereign bond crisis, and even if it somehow resist such a thing, it can be compelled to do so by lawmakers. This article examines under what context raising or lowering interest rates can quell or exacerbate money creation and peace inflation. Sources of money creation How is money created? In the current financial system, the majority of broad money creation happens due to a combination of fiscal deficits and bank lending. And the magnitude of those two sources relative to each other changes over time. In the 1940s and 2020s, inflationary periods, most of the money supply growth was from fiscal deficits. Related to the war and the pandemic stimulus, respectively. In the 1970s, most of the money supply growth was from bank lending, relating to demographics primarily. A lot of analysis gets confused or talk past each other about how to fight inflation when they are unknowingly referring to very different causes, sources of inflation. These charts show Three-year rolling averages of U.S. fiscal deficits, blue line, new bank loans, orange line, and broad money supply growth, gray line. Mm -hmm. So fiscal uh, deficits landing in orange. We see it's uh, revolving around something with specific wars and pandemics causing spikes in the fiscal deficit. So now we were at a high, and we'll probably get back to this average. This chart shows broad money supply and CPI changes over a five-year rolling period. So the the orange is the CPI, the inflation. The blue is the deficit. Okay so we see a spike, a spike, a spike in blue and then suddenly also a spike in inflation. You also see that, that uh, the orange line is late in the game. So we have the blue line of the here there the, was the, the increase in deficit and only then afterwards there was increase in inflation. This chart shows the overall history of the U.S. fiscal and monetary policy since 1920. So here we were stabilizing on the deficit, around 6%, and then we had a spike recently of the deficit. Since 2008, we had a spike. century of U.S. death. So the percentage of U.S. death out of GDP, we are pretty high. It's rising. It began somewhere around a, around 100%, then went lower than half percent. Now we, are, we were almost at 300% just before the 2008 crisis. Now we're at, not too good, 250%. If you're not familiar with the mechanism for how both fiscal deficits and bank lending create broad money, I recommend that you read my article on money creation, and then return to continue reading this article. At the current time, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is treating the 2020s, which is fiscal-driven inflation. In high public debt environment, as though it's like the seventies, which was lending driven inflation in the low public debt. He's sharply raising interest rates to try to quell bank lending, even though bank lending wasn't the cause of this inflation. So she's saying that, that we are raising the interest uh, uh, in order to decrease the bank lending. But we said that there are two causes, right? One is the bank lending, and the other one, which is the deficit. Depending on how certain factors play it, it can result in some unintuitive outcomes. Interest rate and inflation. Raising or lowering interest rates can affect money creation and price inflation, but only in indirect ways. Some people assume that high interest rates are both necessary and sufficient to cure price inflation, but that's not historically the case. In some contexts, it's neither necessary nor sufficient. There are just one tool among a few others in Central bank toolbox. Here are short-term interest rates via official consumer price inflation. So we see the short-term interest rates. In red, it's getting from the 40s to the 80s. The interest rate is getting high, but we see some spikes on the CPI. There is some relation. It looks like the interest rate is preceding even yeah, it's preceding the the CPI. I mean, the interest rate here gets higher, and then the CPI. So we're and we're calming it down. So first the CPI went down, and then the interest rate went down here. Put another way, here's the scatter plot of the sampling of inflation and short-term rates over that period with inflation on the left axis, interest rate on the bottom axis. So inflation is here and interest rate is here. So we see that the higher the inflation rate, the higher the more points we get on the right. Here, when we have very low inf- uh, inflation rate, we here we don't get any points. We didn't need to raise the interest rate. There's rather weak correlation. Central bankers usually raise interest rates in response to high price inflation, but we also see periods of no correlation, such as the forties. That's because interest rates are just one of many variables that impact inflation, and only in specific ways. At a tw- 2022 investment conference, Stanley Druckenmiller said that once inflation gets above 5%, it's never come down unless the Fed fund rents has gotten above the CPI. It's rather that I will disagree with the greatest macroeconomist trader of all times, but he happens to be factually incorrect on that one likely due to not looking back far enough in the data and therefore using the word never a bit too loosely in the 40s the inflation came back down to historically normal levels while the fed was holding interest rates well below so here we see the interest rate pretty low yeah very low and we have periods of high inflation and low inflation. So this is to support the fact that we didn't need to raise the interest rate to make the inflation get lower here. This was because the forties, the inflation, both in the US and even more so globally, was caused by monetized fiscal spending on war. When the war stopped, the fiscal deficit spending stopped. The rapid money creation stopped, and inflation stopped. Some of the money they spent went toward creating more supplies of industrial goods, especially as many factories were repurposed after the war. As the war ended, global supply chains improved and productivity returned. Interest rates were not a key tool to fight inflation in this area. Interest rates and bank lending if interest rates are at or below the inflation rate, it creates an incentive for people to borrow money and to buy harder assets. Bank lending creates more borrowed money. And so if more people borrow money and use it to buy other assets, it can increase the money supply and exacerbate inflation into vicious cycles. If this is a situation where inflation is per year along with some persistent inflationary catalyst in the future and I can get a 30-year fixed rate mortgage to buy a decently priced property at a 3% interest rate, why shouldn't I? I'm effectively borrowing at a negative inflation adjusted interest rate to buy relatively scarce assets. And then, by issuing the mortgage, the bank is creating more broad money in the system in the bank account of whoever sold the house. Due to the way the fractional reserve banking system works, assets, prices, and money supplies subsequently go up as more people do this.